It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use for Tuesday, February 6th, from Car Edge, with your host, me, Ray, Paul Bunyan, and um, and my son, uh, Zach. How are you today, handsome? I'm doing great. Happy Tuesday, everyone. The kids have stopped paying the bills. That is the theme of today's show. Let's pull it up. Right here, Dad. The New York Fed just came out with data on auto loan delinquency as well as credit card delinquency rates. And holy cow, man, Gen Z, folks yeah. my age and younger. No, 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 decided- no, no, no. May I correct you? They are younger than you. You are a millennial. Thank you. The generation just junior to myself. <laughs> they said, F it. We're done paying for car loans. <laughs> you look at this data, Dad. Let's pull it up on the screen and let's let's actually start at the highest level takeaway. So okay. I'll all the way down. Bear with me, folks. We're going to go to the final conclusion paragraph here, and then we'll look at Gen Z specifically. Conclusion from the New York Fed. With the pandemic policy supports in the rearview mirror, delinquency rates for most credit types have been rising after having reached very low levels during 2021. Concentrating on auto loans, delinquency transition rates have uh, pushed past pre-pandemic levels, and the worsening appears to be broad-based. Loans open during 2022 and 2023 are, so far, performing worse than loans opened in earlier years and may have been pressed to bar, uh, uh, oh, excuse me, earlier years, perhaps because buyers during these years face higher car prices, may have been pressed to borrow more, and at higher interest rates. The increasing transition rates merit monitoring in the months ahead, particularly with the amplified distress shown by borrowers in low-income areas. This is directly from the source. We'll go to Gen Z in a second here, but this is directly from the New York Fed, Dad. They are alarmed at auto loan delinquency rates and how much they have spiked. Well, you know, if you take into consideration that the age today of Generation Zs are between 12 and 27, those 12-year-olds just are not paying their, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. But it's hard It's hard to get 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids to really budget properly. And apparently, it's even harder to get those same kids to budget properly when, I don't know, they're actually old enough to enter into a binding legal uh, loan agreement. So, Yes, it's concerning. Um, somewhere along the line, we have failed to uh, properly educate our younger generation as to uh, personal responsibilities, the need to be able to handle debt wisely. Um, and, and so, yes, it, 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 it appears as if it's a real issue. And then the other thing that I think is underlying in all of that is the fact that that auto insurance rates have been going up since these people entered into these loans. And so that makes it even more difficult. Definitely. Definitely. Hey, is my audio still coming through? Okay, Pops? I, I hear you. Was there a problem with it before? There was, but it's A-OK. Dad, let's look at Gen Z. Let's look specifically at Gen Z here. I'm going to scroll back up. There's all sorts of fun and interesting charts here. But I want to look at this one. Delinquency transition rates for baby boomers and millennials are now at pre-pandemic levels. Look at this, Dad. Gen Z. Q2 of 2021, Gen Z had an 8.2% loan delinquency rate. Yes. All right. Has spiked all the way up to 11.86%. 
percent. So you can see every type of uh, demo, you know, uh, uh, what would this cohort has yes. increased in delinquency. Some back to pre-pandemic levels, for example, baby boomers. Look at that; they're actually higher than where they were pre-pandemic. But look at Gen Z, man. Almost three times as likely to to go delinquent on a loan than a baby boomer would. I find that to be fascinating. Uh, to me, I'm telling you. To me, that is that is an indictment on our education system. Okay, where we don't spend enough time in this country educating students as to the importance of credit, how to handle credit, how to build wealth, um, how to save. We, 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 it is just an abject failure of, of our education system. Um, you know, listen, I realize at a certain point, uh, the younger generation tunes out people that are older than them. Because, you know, I remember when you were 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. 19, 20, you, you knew everything, okay? Mm -hmm. Nobody could tell you anything because mm -hmm. you already knew it all until one day you woke up and you realized, well, I don't know, poop. Um, I should have been listening to my parents a little more. Um, well, maybe you didn't come to that conclusion. But, you know, and, and so these kids are still are still at the point where they're not listening to anyone yet. They still think they know it all. And, and you know, the realization hasn't, hasn't hit them yet that they don't know anything. And, 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 you know, it's like when I, on these shows, when I preach a little bit or when I rant a little bit, I realize that a lot of people tune me out because, well, he's just the old guy. What does he know? We know more than he does. So it's, it's, I guess it's just part of the natural progression that as human beings, we all have to go through a stupid period. Okay. Oh, I think that's harsh, dad. I think that's harsh. I think it's, I think it's un, unwarranted to paint in that broad of a brush and say that young people as a whole, go through a stupid period. I think Rebecca G's comment here is spot on. As a loan underwriter, all generations struggle understanding finances. So I think I think you're painting with a very broad brush there that I don't necessarily agree with. I, generally, I think there's a lot of validity to the idea that younger generations have le less life experience, don't understand the ramifications. You asked me when I went to, to University of Pittsburgh, I didn't understand what money was. When I went to school, I probably would have never even gone to school if I had understood how expensive it was and what that really meant. So I, I do think there's some validity there. I think it's, I, you got to be careful I, with how broad a brush When, when I was painting with that broad brush, I'm saying everyone, okay? All of us, as we, as we go through life, we all go through a stupid period. We just okay. do because we think we know things that we don't know. We don't know what we don't know yet. And and so that's what I mean when I say yeah. that we all go through a stupid period. It it's how we come out of that stupid period yeah. that that is what matters. And yes, I agree with Rebecca that you know most people don't understand financing. Most people don't understand credit. Um, you know, I I I signed up for. Uh, to get my FICO score through Bank of America today. And, you know, my FICO score, it's 821. It's exceptional. 
And here's the thing. It said, and one of the things that is negatively impacting my, my FICO score is my loan balance. I don't have any loans. I have a lease. Okay. I have a lease that I'm 16 months into a 36 month lease. Um, but my loan balance is out of whack. And I think to myself, this is all just crap. Okay. Um, I have no debt. My credit cards are paid off. My lease is paid on a monthly basis. I don't know. Um, so, so I'm sitting here and I don't understand how banks come up with some of this nonsense. And I, I don't, I've been doing this crap for 72 years. Um, yeah. Some of it just doesn't make any sense, but it would, it would be, we would be better served as a people if we did a much better job of via education in educating our society as to finances, debt, and how to handle all of that. Yeah, definitely, Dad. And that shows up in the data regardless of cohort. So let me pull this up on the screen. Here's your, based on, this is now Q4 of 2023 data. We don't have any 2024 data quite yet. Percent of balances in delinquency, specifically for auto loans. And you can see it's the highest, even going back to pre-pandemic, we're at 2.24% yes. is what uh, the Fed says. And then, Dad, when you look at this, some of their data doesn't necessarily reconcile. This is another Fed blog post that this talks about serious delinquency, 90 days or more. The Q4 data here says 2.66% of auto loans are in serious delinquency. So again, not all the numbers pencil here, but that's up from 2.22%. Look at credit card debt, debt up from, yeah, look at credit card, 4% to 6.36% year over year. And total uh, auto, or excuse me, total serious delinquencies, more than 90 days past due, on a credit obligation, 1% to 1.42%, 1.03% to 1.42%. So this is across the entire, There, yeah, you can single out a cohort. And the yes. obvious one for us today was, was, was Gen Z, because again, this is delinquency rates broken down by generation. It's and, not and, even close. And the thing that would scare the hell out of me uh, looking at that chart was, was, the amount of credit card delinquency and the dependence on credit cards that many people have just to be able to get by from month to month. Um, and, and so that I find, I, I find that the, the auto debt interesting because, you know, that's the sector we're in. Um, but the overall health of how people handle debt, the scariest part to me was how people handle their credit card debt. Um, and yeah. if, if, if we can't get a handle on that, if that, that is, that's the debt that, you know, could, could drive the country to uh, hell in a handbasket in a hurry. Now, dad, let me ask you a question. What do you think the highest delinquency rate is for one of the finance companies? Uh, so one of the companies that, uh, what do you think the highest delinquency rate is and which company do you think, or which financial institution do you think has the highest auto loan delinquency rates? This data that I'm about to show you is from Q3 of 2024, that, or 2023, excuse me, that's the most recent. Which financial institution and what do you think their auto loan delinquency rate is at? 
Major, um, major. Uh, I'm going to say um, it's Credit Acceptance Corporation. Okay. Um, and, and I'm going to say the uh, delinquency is 11.25%. All right, so credit acceptance isn't on this. These are more like your um, full spectrum, full spectrum uh, financial institutions. I think credit acceptance corporation is probably a little higher than eleven point two. You want to take one more guess, knowing it's more of a full spectrum lender. Um, we got a guess here. Cap one at ten percent, for example. Uh, Santander. Okay, what do you think? Um, uh, I'll still go with my eleven point two five percent. So it is Santander. And it, <laughs> it's not 11.2, it's 7.2% okay. auto loan delinquencies that have been delinquent. And if you add in the non-accrual, um, so those that have not added on, I mean, you get up to over 11%, like you were saying, that auto loan delinquency <clears throat> on 44, that's in millions, 44,884 times millions. What is that? Billion? Is that? Trillions? I don't know, man. It's a lot. It's a lot of auto loans out there. That's Santander and then OFG Bank Corporation and then Capital One up there as well. I mean, these financial institutions, Ally after that, these financial institutions are sitting on a ton of unpaid auto loan balances. And you look at, you know, the the default rates, delinquency rates, and and then the value of vehicles, it's like a pretty, pretty messy mix, all is what all this data points to. Well, it, it does, and you know, it's 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 the youngest generation that we're talking about right now. So, um, you know, those that that actually have access to uh, to credit, not not the twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old kids, but the the older ones, and and so yeah, hopefully they wake up, it's and, that, hopefully, it's all and hopefully yeah. lenders wake up, yeah. It's that, that, and it's also, I want to be very clear, it's also income levels. There's a huge disparity in delinquency rates broken down by income levels. So the, the blue line, light blue line here, are your lowest income earners. Your dark blue line are your highest income earners, and this is delinquency rates is what you're looking at on the screen. Sure. I mean, look at that, Dad. Lowest income has a 12.85% delinquency rate. Highest income, highest earners have a 4.58%. Well, and, and and we'll think about it for a second. Generation Z, presently aged twelve to twenty-seven. Okay, um, so those who can access credit, yeah. let's say they're eighteen to twenty-seven. Um, typically, that that that's not your. If that's the highest earnings of your lifetime, you're in trouble. So, typically, you know, if you're starting as an eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old. Um, you're you're at your lowest earning potential, um, so that yes, it's going to be harder for you to to handle it because you, you don't make very much money. Um, you know, hopefully, as they get slightly older, uh, their income goes up. You know, if they could break if they could break that down, it would really be interesting data to see. You know, like what it is for the kids that are eighteen to twenty one. And then what yeah. it is for kids that are like 22 to 27, um, yeah. because you have to think income levels have gone up somewhat. But if 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 that's the pinnacle of your earnings, we're desperately in trouble. That is that would be interesting to do more more deep segmentation like you're describing. All right, let's put you on the spot one more time. Tied to auto loan delinquency would be folks that are out there trying to get approved for an auto loan right now. What do you think the average APR is for a new car and a used car 
in the good old United States of America. At the Average new car rate, I'm going to guess, is about nine and a half. I'm going to say the average used car rate is 14.75. He's pretty he's pretty spot on, folks. Average used car APR is 14.13%, as you can see right there. Average new car interest rate is 9.67%. This data comes from Cox Automotive and uh, Dealer Track, um, where they keep track of this. So, you know, we actually saw um, interest rates increase, or excuse me, go down slightly to begin mm. February down just a little bit from January, but still you're over 14% for a used car on average and nearly 10% on a new car. Pretty wild stuff what's going on in the financial markets and, and everything tied to auto. And, uh, what, yeah, go ahead. And, and then add the the cost of insurance, how automobile insurance rates have gone up on average, what was it, 24% in the last year. And you begin to realize why so many people are having so many issues when it comes to handling all of their their debt, um, yeah. you know the the cost to to repair EVs as they get damaged is astronomical in comparison to internal combustion engine vehicles. Um, it doesn't take nearly as severe a hit to cause major major damage to an EV. Now, even though EV sales have stagnated somewhat, okay, yeah. that the growth in EV sales isn't quite on the same trajectory that it had been on, there are still more EVs on the road today than there have ever been. And that's going to cause the insurance companies it's going to cost them billions upon billions of dollars in repairs, which ultimately is going to make its way to your premium, even yeah. if you're driving a nice vehicle, even even if 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 you don't drive a lot. It's just the aggregate cost of repairs continues to go up because of the the unprecedented expense of repairing an EV. Um, so. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see insurance rates go up another 20 to 25% this year as you have more EVs entering the roadways. It's, we are, as consumers, we are fighting a losing battle with this push to alternative energy transport. It is transportation, it is just, it's going to kill us. It's just, I mean, there was, there was a Rivian truck I, I was reading the other day that uh, somebody hit them in the rear and mm -hmm. the person's insurance company looked at it and estimated the repair to be just under $1,700. Mm -hmm. And it got to the body shop. And when everything was said and done with everything that needed to be done, it was a $41,000 repair bill. Okay, forty one thousand dollars. A lot of money. Man. Yeah, repair Holy bill God. for what what was initially thought to be a sixteen hundred ninety dollar repair, and that's because it's just so expensive to repair EVs. It's. It, it, I, I I will comment though. I imagine, Dad, 
that prices are going to come down. Like the, the everyone understands these people that are producing the vehicles. Everyone understands that they're going to have to, uh, you know, reduce the the overall expense to make them economical. Like I think that's fairly understood, and we should expect to see that over the next couple of years. Why? Well, well, I mean, you know, you because can- of everything you're describing, people can't afford to keep paying 10, 20 percent more each year on auto insurance. If that's the case, they're going to choose a cheaper vehicle to own. That, that's why. Well, but but, you know, what are the manufacturers going to do about it? I mean, you know, the cost, the cost to, to build an EV continues to go up. So how are they how are they supposed to impact that? Uh, you know, maybe if you could figure out how to build an EV and and it doesn't cost so much to repair it if it gets damaged. That's what I'm maybe, saying, Dan. Yeah, I'm maybe sure that's the problem. This. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the problem that the industry is trying to solve because they recognize exactly what you just described. It's untenable for people to be able to afford vehicles at these prices, at these interest rates, and at these increasing uh, repair costs. These like, The cost to own a vehicle just continues to go up. At AAA even last year, or yeah, at the end of 2023, came out and said, what was it? It was like the average cost to own a vehicle in the United States, which the average vehicle on the road in the United States is like 12 or 13 years old, which is insane. It was like $1,000 a month when you yeah, started to add it all up. It was close so, to $12,000 a year, yes. And, and and NADA just came and went. And what was the big thing they were talking about there? Vehicle affordability. So I guess my point is... Yes. While I, it might I, I misunderstood go, what you were saying. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah like I, I think... I think more people than just us are now thinking about this problem and trying to address this problem, quite frankly, can do a better job addressing this problem than we can because they can influence the parts that go in, how expensive things are, um, price points of vehicles. And hopefully that should ultimately lead to lower insurance premiums or at least like less rapidly increasing insurance premiums <laughs> and lower cost of ownership. And I will bring up, I dropped it in the chat, Google search, how much should I spend on a car space car edge? We have my dad's OG guide. We, we updated it recently, but he wrote this, you know, like three, four years ago. So please, please, please go check this out. We have a, a really great guide. Oh, back look, there was me appraising your, uh, your old Volvo. Yeah, that was my old car right there. And you yeah. appraising it. So please go check that out back on caredge.com. Give it a quick Google search. Dad, I want to pull up here from the chat. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. Here. We appreciate the contribution. Um, she says, great show on Life Lessons. Missed the Saturday show. Any update on doing the show with the Dave Ramsey crew? Have a great day. Haven't been in touch with them since they reached out. Um, I think I realized pretty quickly that they actually wanted us to like advertise on their shows. And I don't feel like spending money on advertising. I don't know. Just didn't feel like the right fit. So we'll build a relationship with them and maybe someday we'll do something. Um, but I don't know. I don't really feel like advertising about car ed. <laughs> we, we do enough advertising on this show. Um, and then Rebecca here in the chat, obviously, or maybe I shouldn't say obviously, but I think Rebecca works at a credit union. Great, great, great uh, opportunity for people. Go to your local credit union to get financing before you go buy a car. We talk about that very frequently. Um, and she's mentioning here uh, 6%, 5.99 on 72 months of credit union for new or used. Go check out your local credit union before you buy a new and, or used car. And, and if I may, you know what the beauty of a credit union is? They're willing to get to know you as a person. Okay, you are not just a credit score to them. Most banks, it's, you know, they pull your credit score, the computer says yay or nay. Um, you know, credit unions, you, you, they're actually looking to have and develop a relationship with their yeah. customers. So they they're get nonprofit. Credit yeah. unions are nonprofits. <laughs> yeah. And they get, so they get, they, they get, 
people. They get to understand their customers and, and uh, they can look at, at an, each individual customer differently than a major commercial bank would where, trust me, it's just, it's all computer generated. Yeah, going to a local credit union is definitely a great move. You can actually build a relationship versus what you're describing. All right, Pops, can we switch gears? Uh, certainly. Do I we're have gonna to say something? No, we're going to stick on the loan theme, uh, but we're going to do our favorite segment of the show. Um, so, really, you've got to be kidding me. This was shared with me just yesterday, folks. This is a side letter. I'm going to zoom in on it in just a second. I've already shared it with my dad, but we'll get his reaction here. For the interwebs, this is a side letter that was attached to a Ram 2500 purchase. Let's read this together. A dealer sent this or you know, tried to have a customer sign this. It says, I, my name, fully understand that I must maintain a minimum balance for at least 180 days starting on the contracted date. If the loan is paid in full prior to the end of this 180-day period, I understand that I will be charged a termination fee determined by the dealer in the amount of $2,755.98 if said termination amount is not paid within 24 hours of the annual termination, or excuse me, the loan termination, I understand that I will be held legally responsible and an interest payment of 24% per year will be imposed till said termination fee is paid in full. This is imposed directly from the dealership and has no bearing on the lender stated in the retail contract. This is a side letter to a loan agreement through a car dealer on a Ram 2500. Really? You've got to be kidding me. Well, you know what the really you got to be kidding me is? That anybody would sign the damn thing. Um, you know, just because they push a document in front of you does not mean that you have to sign it. Um, and I see where, where justice says it's unenforceable. I don't know that that's the case. If, it's, if it is a, um, a side legal agreement and you sign it, I don't know why you wouldn't have to comply with what it is that you've signed. Um, but I would hope that somebody would be smart enough before they sign it or even entertain signing and saying, hey, uh, can I get a copy of that? Do you mind if I just uh, run that past my attorney real quick before I put my John Hancock on there? Um, I understand that dealers make back-end money. And, 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 and by back-end money, they, they make money by placing loans. They're an indirect lender, so the bank pays them for having placed that loan. And dealerships can make money doing that. And typically, if you pay off a car loan within 90 days, whatever money that dealership made for that indirect loan gets charged back. In other words, the bank claws that money back because well, the loan didn't stay in effect long enough for the bank to make any extra money for them to give it to the dealership. Mm -hmm. So this dealership's trying to do 180 days, um, and they're trying to claw back $2,755, which sounds like a hell of a lot of money. Um, if, if you're paying like an extra $2,755 in interest, over the first six months of a loan, uh, that to me doesn't sound like a loan I would want to be signing. Um, so just just be careful out there, folks. Um, you know, if it if it doesn't if it doesn't seem to make sense to you, then well, more than likely it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that that that's some craziness. That's that's a lot of money for yeah. for a dealership to charge to have a loan in, in effect for 180 days. Think about that. If the spread from the buy rate to the sell rate is twenty seven hundred dollars, they're marking that thing up like crazy to begin with, and then they're trying to protect it with a side agreement. I mean, that is a run don't walk type yes. of situation. And um, and absolutely. you know and, and and I see in the comments that you know people are saying it's unenforceable. You take it to court, you'll win. Okay, it's going to cost you more than twenty seven hundred and fifty five dollars and ninety eight cents to take it to court. So, um, so yeah, what do you win? You you win the right that you've spent more than twenty seven hundred and fifty five dollars. Um, I like I say, I don't know if it's enforceable or it's not enforceable. Um. I have no idea. It just it just seems that if they sign it and you sign it and the wording says what the wording says and you've agreed to it by signature, why wouldn't it be enforceable? But what do we'll I run do? it by our we'll run it by our friend Josh Fagan. Um see yes. what his thoughts are. Let's go here to Justin Cinnamon Bun. Thank you for the contribution. That le- that re- letter, excuse me, is a red flag to get the hell out. Yeah, exactly. This is like all you ever need to see to know I'm going to run, run out of here. It doesn't matter if they are, you already did the credit app and everything. And this is also another reason why going to your local credit union and getting a pre-approval. Yes. Totally appropriate because yeah. I'm no, pretty sure no, your credit union's not going to have you sign a side letter that looks like that. No, they would not. My guess is that when I read the whole thing, it was like a $99,000 truck that the guy bought for seventy five grand or something like that. And this yeah. is just their way to make up some of the loss uh, yeah, on that sale. But still, let Absolutely. them just take their loss. Congrats to Sean. Thank you, guys. From everything I learned from you, I was able to get $1,600 off of the OTD price on a 2018 Toyota RAV4 that your site said not to expect a discount on. Congratulations, Sean. And on the Toyota theme, I have an ask of the community. We are looking for a West Coast, so just a dealer that's, I'll, I'll just say West of the Mississippi River, Toyota dealer to join us uh, at Car Edge to start selling their vehicles to Car Edge customers through CarEdge.com. If anyone's had a positive experience with a Toyota dealer on the West Coast, West Coast being largely defined <laughs> as just West <laughs> of the Mississippi River, we're trying to expand all of the uh, offers that we have back on CarEdge.com. We offer free shipping pretty much east of the Mississippi River. We're starting to you know, want to expand to west, uh, the western part of the United States, central and western parts. So if anyone has a recommendation for a Toyota dealer that we that they think would be a good partner for us at Car Edge, so you can go on CarEdge.com, you can click a button, you get the car delivered to your door. Let us know. I My email inbox is open, Zach at CarEdge.com. Would love to find a, a Toyota dealer that we could begin to partner with. And friendly reminder, CarEdge.com, that's where our company is. And if we can help you in any way, that's what we're here to do. Well, I, I do believe that that's what we're here to do. And, and that's why Absolutely. we're just going to keep doing it. Damn it. And as Absolutely. a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure we will be back here again tomorrow at noon Eastern nine, nine Pacific time um, with more news that you can use um, from both the Ventnor, New Jersey, um, Ventnor city, New Jersey and Washington, DC. Absolutely. See y'all then. Love you, Pops. Thank you. Yep. Love you too. See you soon.